It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Lats Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans, pro lacrosse fans, lacrosse fans in general? This is another episode of the Lax Factor Podcast. I'm losing count and I'm getting my counts wrong. I want to say we're at episode 45. It may very well be episode 46, but uh, either way, it's uh, we're in the 40s somewhere. We're approaching the mid-40s. I appreciate everybody for uh, for watching. Um, so as always, I'll get it, get it out of the way first. If you'd like to support what we're doing here and our coverage of lacrosse in general of the podcast, you can go to laxfactor.com. You can get yourself some swag. We have awesome shorts, t-shirts, hats, all sorts of stuff. We have lax factor related apparel as well as just generic. These are the Maryland flag shorts. So go to laxfactor.com. And if you wanted to find other ways to support us, it's not up yet, but you'll be able to go to laxfactor.com forward slash support to find out more ways that you can support the channel long term uh so let's get into it now as i had said with the new format we're just going to kind of cover and and start rambling more open podcast format about uh what's going on uh, on any given day so the first thing i wanted to talk about today was people had gotten all up in arms about the pll uh scuffle from last weekend brett queener uh in his uh, cross check in the throat or the face of uh uh Hennenberg. so uh, it did finally come out today they, they are or not today, today, Saturday. It came out, I believe it was on Tuesday. They finally got around to suspending Queener. So uh, they suspended poor Queener. League statement, and I quote, this is what the league put out. It says, the PLL has determined that the incident involving Chrome LC goalie Brett Queener, which occurred during Sunday's game against Redwoods LC, amounted to dangerous, unsportsmanlike behavior. Go figure. Queener has been suspended for one game and issued a fine by the league. So it's what I expected. I'm all for these guys scrapping uh, beating each other up. I'm all for the league exploiting when that happens. I'm for the league exploiting this. And um, But in the end, I think they got this right. It was pretty malicious to cross-check in both fast and slow motion. It looked pretty rough. Him lording over the over Hennenberg as he laid on the ground after wasn't good, and his indignant indignation at the end of it was, wasn't good. But it's lacrosse, man. I'm not mad at Queener. I'm not, you know, yes, he got fined. He suspended. To me, it's over. I think Queener's still an awesome goalie, an incredible personality for this league. And I think that it's key that they, uh, they keep him. But, uh, so it was deserved. You know, I can't say that it wasn't deserved, uh, and the action seemed appropriate. I love the fire though. And, uh, you know, like just people have been so mad and up in arms about this and you have the camps that are cool with it because they love the physicality of it. And then you get the camp that's like, there's no world in which this should be part of the lacrosse world. And this is trash and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, to pretend this isn't going to help the PLL, it's crazy. They, you know, they had that big fight earlier in the year, huge publicity 
for the for the PLL. And it was it's one of those deals where even bad publicity is good publicity, especially where the people that are calling something bad are just morons or pansies. So I think this is going to be good for the league in both ways. It's good for the league in the, in the sense that people love seeing physical plays. People love seeing fights. It's just the way men are built to a degree. And no, it's not toxic masculinity. It's just men with testosterone being men They're, to a degree that is okay. And it's good for society. Um, and the, the, the PLL with the fight earlier in the season, they didn't really do anything outside of penalty penalize these guys. And that was it. And people were mad about that, but the publicity that the league got for that fight was crazy because it it was great video and they had really close up front right in your face footage of that happening. This is a very similar thing. A lot of publicity, a lot of people sharing this cross check and the scuffle after on social media. And that alone was good publicity for the PLL, even with the boo birds and all that crying about it. But what is even better publicity for the PLL is that they got this right post incident. They fine him. They suspend him. They, we get to talk about this now for two or three more days. So all good for the PLL. And I think they handled it properly. I like Queener because I remember Queener as a little kid. I went to Cuca for a year, my freshman year in college, and uh, I lived in Penyan for a summer. Um, and I lived in Penyan for two summers. I lived in Penyan the summer before my freshman year as I went to summer school up there. And uh, we used to play box in town, Penyan, at like one of their little uh, uh, town facilities. They had an in- outdoor box rink, a little hockey rink set up, but with just grass in it. So we used to go and just play pickup box lacrosse with all the PY homies. And, you know, it was actually very high quality pickup lacrosse. He had a couple of former high school All-Americans showing up to play, but Coach Queener was the one who kind of set it up and he'd open it up for us and let us have fun. And then he'd come up and close it up when we were done. I think there was even lights on the field as I think back on it. And little Queener, I'm, I'm talking Queener, probably Brett wasn't older than 10 or 12 years old at the time, maybe younger. And he used to uh, coach Queener. He'd just tag along with him. And if we didn't have a goalie, coach Queener would let Brett get in cage and play with us. As long as we didn't light him up, the whole rule was we could only take one-on-ones with him. So whoever, whichever side got him as the goalie, you couldn't um, light it up or anything like that. The only shots you could take on him were one-on-ones, but I mean, the kid was running around and playing lacrosse with a bunch of grown men at a very young age. So I've always, once I saw him go to Herkimer, uh, I thought that was awesome. And I followed his career there. Then I followed his career at Albany. So I've always been a big Brett Queener fan and pro Brett Queener. And I'm still pro Brett Queener, even though he tried to kill Jules Hennenberg. Uh, maybe he tried to be, hit him, slash him in the throat because he thought he was too handsome. Hennenberg is a pretty handsome fellow. So that could be it. But, you know, who knows? The other thing that, I, that I'm really excited about, and I think a lot of us are excited about here, 2020 fall ball. It is upon us. The schedules are starting to come out once again. I'll put a uh, put a visual up here so you can see it. But Lacrosse Bucket Tanner over at Lacrosse Bucket has a running schedule so that we can kind of see what teams are playing where thus far. And it's it's surprising. Like I, one of the the one I'm the most excited about, and I think I've already talked about this, is on October 5th. Denver comes all the way out here, and they're going to play Syracuse at Cortland. Cortland has a huge stadium that is I mean hell it's it's actually bigger than the high school that Syracuse played in um 
uh, this year when they played Duke. Huge stadium, both sides, huge, huge stadium seating. And they actually have side-by-side fields where you can actually walk from one side of the stadium to the other. Great facility up there at Cortland. But Denver and Syracuse are going to play up there. There may be another team or two that was roped into it. it might, I want to say it might even be might even be like LeMoyne maybe playing somebody while they're up there as well. But uh, 10-5, October 5th. Denver plays Syracuse. Time is to be determined. And I know also for anyone local here in the upstate New York area, uh, I know Tierney, Coach Tierney from Denver, is going to do a clinic, I believe, that weekend uh, before the game uh, in in Cortland also. So uh, if you, I I will have it up on our, I'll put it up on Lax Factor's uh, Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Lax Factor for anybody that might be interested in the clinic that they're putting on up there at Cortland. Um, and then we, as we go through the list here, uh, the 12th of, of October, Villanova at Loyola, uh, the 13th of October, Michigan at Denver. So Denver's getting busy and they're playing two high quality programs in fall ball. Uh, the 13th again, Virginia versus Penn State. So that's going to be a big one. It looks like they're playing that one at Georgetown Prep in Maryland on the 13th of October. 14th of October, Maryland versus Cornell. And when I first saw that they were going to do this, I was hoping to hell that it was going to be up here in New York, but it is going to be at St. Anthony's High School, sadly for me. And what else we got here? We got uh, VMI in Washington and Lee on the 18th, St. John's Drexel at Lafayette on the 20th of October. And a good three-way down there in Virginia, Centerville uh, High School in Virginia on the 20th of October, Notre Dame, Colgate, and Princeton. And then uh, October 18th through the 22nd, we've got Virginia Team Canada, Team USA at the U.S. Lacrosse Headquarters for the USA Fall Classic. So fall ball is upon us. The big one I'm excited about is the Denver and Syracuse uh, tilt up in uh, Cortland that we'll be going to. So we'll talk about that more as we're getting close to it. Maybe we'll preview it, and we're going to get video of that, and then we'll do a post-event show for the uh, Denver-Syracuse fall ball scrimmage. So that's a good one, too. Uh, Let's see. What else we got here? Oh! One that I'm super excited about because the NCAA listened to the Ted Man, as I like to call myself when I float around the house, and they announced that they, they're not making the changes, but they're proposing changes to the dive rule and the goal mouth. And what they're going to do, and first, oh my gosh, I'm sorry to be sniffing in your ear here. It's, uh, it's actually gotten hot in my office here uh, so far this summer. Uh, as the summer wears on, it gets hotter down here. And I'm like, literally, I'm sitting here and I'm sweating. I've got lights on me. You know, I'm super handsome. though. I, I, I suspect it's glistening and I'm, you know, it's just making me look even better than I already do. Um, so NCAA announced a proposed change to the dive rule. So a lot of people have been reporting this as they were changing the dive rule. They have not changed the dive rule yet. They've come up with a proposal that they're going to now look at and consider later um, before the season starts. So the proposal not a rule change, but a proposal is that they're going to add a protected area inside the cage uh, that designates the goal mouth. And it's that protected area that the goalie can live in without having any contact made. So how it's going to work is you can dive still, you cannot dive and land in this area at all. So this is kind of the no, the no, no zone, I guess, as you would say, if you land in that area, even after the goal, the ball crosses the plane, that inside crease area, the goal will be disallowed, no penalty. If you make contact with the goalie while he's in that area, you get your minute penalty or whatever they decide based on the severity of it. And um, so, but there is no more making contact with the goalie in the crease period and you get the penalty. So it's, man, some people say this simplifies it for the officials and it probably does a little bit. What I said was you either needed to make the rule simpler by just 
unlocking it and letting it all go and just go back to the regular dive. If you score before the ball enters the, uh, before the ball crosses the crease, or if you, as long as you don't land in the crease before the ball crosses the plane of the, the cage, then it's a goal. And it's that simple. You can make contact with the goalie. You can do whatever. That'd be the simplest way and the easiest way to call it. That It was either that or they had to make it a little bit more complex for the purpose of giving, getting rid of the, the weird, arbitrary decision that the officials have to make in terms of, is he going towards the goal? Did he make contact with the goalie? Was he pushed? Now the rule just is you can't go in this no-no zone, and, and that's it. And I think that's better. I still don't like the, the penalty, and I still don't like the fact that, um, that when you touch that no-no zone, I believe that the goal is going to be disallowed. I feel like the no-no zone should just be used to protect the goalie, and that's it. Meaning if you make contact with the goalie while in the no-no zone, you get your penalty. But no matter what, uh, you know the goal should be allowed. But either way, I'm not going to get too deep into it or worry about it too much because it's not even a rule yet. It's just proposed rule changes. And the whole idea being that it's just going to make it a little bit easier for officials to call uh, and hopefully make that call more consistent across, uh, you know, games and weeks and months as the season goes on. But either way, they're, they're doing something and they're being proactive. I'm, I'm not ones, I'm not one that likes a lot of rule changes, you know, because I'm a conservative, I'm conservative in that way. I don't want you to change all these rules without we, without knowing what their effects are going to be. I was very skeptical of the shot clock, but the, the shot clock rule has worked out so well that I'm, I'm kind of willing to give the rule committee the benefit of the doubt for a couple of years. I'm going to give them some passes uh, for the most part. Um, another cool thing, and it's just it's I, I, it's cool because it's just showing the growth of the game, especially where we're dealing with these big schools, is Ohio State is building a $20 million lacrosse stadium. Uh, it's proving they're willing to fully back their lacrosse program by committing to build this stadium, and they're building it behind their football practice facility. They'll break ground next October, not this October, but next October, with a completion date set for November of 21. So it's going to take a while, and it's not like they're hurting for f- uh, facilities out there in, in uh, Buckeye territory anyway. But uh, so far, they've enjoyed the not-so-friendly confines, albeit cool confines, of the horseshoe. But it's kind of tough to provide a great fan experience for a lacrosse game in a stadium that holds 105 plus thousand people. And it's kind of hard to have a thousand people in a stadium with a hundred that holds 105,000. I, when I played club lacrosse at Binghamton university, we played a tournament in Pittsburgh, no, in West Virginia. And we got to play on Mountaineer field. And I believe Mountaineer field at the time held 75, 85,000 people. And there was a hundred people watching us play. Now this was just D one club. So obviously there was never anyone really watching us play for the most part, but it was cool playing in the stadium with the lights on in this huge football stadium. But it was a little weird also that there was nobody there in this, the stadium, just empty seats everywhere. So like, you know, in terms of the lacrosse fan experience, I think it's better to play in a a facility built to fit your fan base. Uh, I think it's better for the visual to have sellouts. It's better on paper to have sellouts. It's just better fan experience to have everybody packed in near each other. Um, So I think this is a good decision. And but, you know, while they wait for this facility to be built, they're going to be fine uh, chilling out in the horseshoe. And and there's the other facility that they share, I think, with soccer and girls lacrosse and things like that. So that was cool, though. Twenty million dollars being dumped into a lacrosse field uh, for Ohio State. You, you know, you can't you can't go wrong um, with that at all. Let's see here. What else do we want to talk about? Um, we have. Ooh. Ooh. Now, nah, we're not going to burn through that one. That one's going to be its own special podcast here. So 
Now we'll get into the college one. As I kind of said, we were going to cover news items, pro items, and then we would get into the college crap here. So the last time in the last episode, the college crap that I discussed, it was Penn State. A bunch of guys on the Penn State roster that had to step up in order to have them succeed next year as, you know, or have a similar year next year as they did this year. You know, just guys that have to step up to fill the voids of the guys that graduate. So we covered Penn State. And that was interesting. You know, guys like Grant Amat, Mac O'Keefe coming back, uh, Folds coming back defensively. Everybody's got to step up. More importantly, Colby Canise. Today, let's do Yale for craps and giggles here. So Yale, they experience, they, they've, they've had great success the last two seasons. They won a national championship in 2018. 2019, they returned to the title game only to lose to Virginia. So Yale returns a boatload of guys. Yale, actually, they return most of their guys on both sides of the field. So as we get into, we know all the obvious guys that have to play huge for them Um, on attack. They return everybody. So I'm not really worried about those guys either. Uh, Really it's their midfield was where they experienced most of their losses. So if we look at the guys that they lost, Joey Sessa, Jack Ty, Jack talk Ty very well. Uh, John Danagelis, Danagelis, yeah, Danagelis, um, Brendan Rooney, like they lost a bunch of of legitimate midfielders that contributed a great deal on the offensive end of the field, and um, so the guys that I have listed here is the guys that need to step up the most to try to help fill that void, and it's especially at the midfield. Uh, Brian Tevlin and Lucas Kotler, I think though they're going to be two very key players returning to this midfield because they lost a shit ton of midfield uh, power to graduation. And uh, Tevlin and Kotler, they were the number six and number eight leading scorers on the team, respectively, last year. Yale's attack is loaded already, as I said. So Morrill, he's going to go over 100 points uh, in this upcoming season. Brandau, he's going to probably hit 85, 90 points in this upcoming season. So And the Undertaker, he's going to put up 70 or 80 points next season so from an attack standpoint they are good to go and they're going to shoulder a bunch of that load especially early on I think as as they try to figure figure out the midfield and how these guys are all going to play but uh Tevlin and Kotler they both need to improve they don't need to improve these are both I'd said it about uh folds uh with Penn State I say they need to improve and they need to have big seasons they're going to do that this isn't like I'm saying you guys need to do this or your team's hosed they're going to do this and their teams are good to go because of these guys Tevlin and Kotler are both very capable lacrosse players, high lacrosse IQ, you know, just crazy motors. These are great guys, um, but they need to improve upon their point totals. I don't, they, they already both put up a bunch of points, so I'm not sure how much more they can improve upon their point totals, but I picture each of them putting up 10, 10 more points than they put up last year. You would think that that would kind of fill that void. The attackmen are going to eat some of those runs and eat some of that, those points also. But I think those two are going to be looked to anchor the, the, the offense. They're going to be looked to anchor the mid, not the offense, but the mid field and then they Yale has so much talent they have so many attackmen on the roster that are sitting behind this uh, talented group of three attackmen that could run midfield shifts they have a couple of high quality midfielders they have guys on the roster already that are going to be willing to step up and they have guys that are coming in that are going to be willing to step up not to mention you've got the best face-off man in the country possibly the best face-off man in the history of the game on your team so, um, you know, with, with, it, it's just like it's a no brainer that they're going to be solid and they're going to be OK. But I think that Tevlin and Kotler are going to come up huge and they're going to factor heavily in that. And, and really what it comes down to is I think those guys, 
Yale's making it back to the tournament. Yale has a ridiculously good chance of making it back to the final four. But I think that those two guys are going to be key in whether or not they get back to the final four and maybe get back to the finals again. And then from a defensive standpoint, they return the bulk of their long pole power. So I think that mainly the guy who needs to step up on the defensive side of the ball, obviously we'd like to see um, uh, all their poles step up. But uh, the guy that really has to, to, to improve I think more than anybody else is Jack Starr. Jack Starr has a national championship under his belt as a freshman. Jack Starr has a finals appearance under his belt as a sophomore. So, I mean, this kid has top-notch championship playoff experience, but he was 45% between the pipes. Uh, He had a 45% save percentage between the pipes and, no, 48% in 2018 as a freshman, and his uh, save percentage went down in 2019 to 45%. So he shaved a little bit off. I think part of that is due to the fact that Yale's defense was younger last year than it was in 2018. So in 2019, they had lost a couple of polls. Fake was really the the main guy coming back, and they had a lot of guys filling voids. This year, in 2020, I think they're in a much better posi- position uh, th- uh, coming into the season with their uh, long polls than they were in uh, uh, 2019. So Hopefully, he can get himself back up to the 48%. I think in the preseason, I had actually said that for Yale to repeat, Jack Starr was going to have to hang out in that area of 50% save percentage and try to improve upon his freshman year. He didn't, and they lost the national championship. Do I think that Jack Starr could have turned the tides and by himself won Yale that game? No. It's not that he's not capable of doing it. So I'm just saying I'm not putting that on Jack Starr. I'm just saying in 2020, instead of seeing some regression in his save percentage, we need to see some more progression and see him get back up to 48% or better. I think that a sub 50% save percentage is going to become the norm in lacrosse as things speed up, as athletes get a little better, as offensive guys. We're starting to see data take over lacrosse. We're starting to see reps take over lacrosse. You know, in football practice, it was their football was the, is those kids' lives. Basketball is those kids' lives when they're on these college campuses. In the past, that wasn't always as much the case in lacrosse as it has been over the last decade, I feel. So I think as these kids are just training more, it's going, life is going to get harder at the, uh, at the D1 level specifically um, for goalies. So I think Jack Starr has to step up. But, you know, you got fake down there. You've got a bunch of defenders returning, so he's going to be okay. I'd like to see him in the area, back in the area, 48 to 50% for his save percentage. So that is that. What else do we got here on the docket to talk about? There was this one right here. Yeah, we're not even going to talk about that. So uh, what we will talk about here, though, is what we're doing moving forward. I talked a little bit about it at the uh, at the end of the last podcast, so I'll do that a little bit now. Um, I'm going to do a lot more just informal, hey, I'm going to come down here for 30 minutes and ramble. I'm going to talk about random news. I'm going to talk about how my knee hurts or something like that. We'll do a lot more of that. The goal just being to put more content out regardless of what we think. You know, over the last year as I've been messing with this, the idea has been, let's come up with something that we know people are going to watch. So I would end up doing a lot of offensive-based podcasts, podcasts where we're talking about specific teams, Hopkins, Syracuse, Duke, Virginia, teams that that brought the views. Um, So what you'll see with the last podcast, number 44, was I was more just rambling and it was more general. The views suffered. Uh, we didn't get over a thousand views, which is really my goal for any one of these podcasts that I put up. I'm always trying to get over a thousand views 
on YouTube alone for all of these. And then all the other uh, areas that we post it and it gets views is just gravy from there. So I think initially as we kind of do a more random show, a longer form show, I'm actually timing the show, trying to come out at 30 minutes. So right now I'm looking at my clock behind the camera and I see that I'm at 25 minutes, 11 seconds at the moment. So we're trying to fill it so that we can come up with a way to put out three or four 30 minute shows per week We're going to put at least one or two of them up on YouTube for free, full show, and then maybe two or three shows a week we're going to put behind a subscription service that will uh, probably come out in the area of $24 per year to start. And we'll probably run a sale for that uh, as I get it started up uh, late next week. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll probably run a sale for like $12 a year for the first people that sign up and then it'll go to $24 per year. And really what you get is two or three 30 minute podcasts a week, uh, through our website that you would have to go to watch them. And then you'd still get the one or two shows that we'll do per week. We'll probably do moving forward. We're always going to keep all this, a lot of this crap up free on YouTube, Probably what we'll do is we will do the preview show, like as we get into this college season, like just like last year, we'll do the Thursday preview show that previews all the games that are about to take place that weekend, and we'll probably put that up as a partial. We'll put it up as a 30-minute show on YouTube. We'll put it up as a 10-minute show on YouTube where you'd have to watch the final 20 minutes uh, through our website as part of the subscription service, but we'll give everyone a game of the week that we will preview here on YouTube. So you'll always get the preview show or at least one game previewed every week, and then you can watch the rest of uh, the previews if you're a subscriber. And um, we'll put up our Monday or Tuesday uh, review, weekend, you know, the weekend review show. I think we called it the College Lacrosse Show. Uh, we'll put that out, full version of it, every Monday or Tuesday on YouTube for everybody to enjoy. And then we'll, we're, we'll always put crap up on YouTube here. But the reality is YouTube is demonetizing more and more of our videos. So if we want to continue and we want to be able to make money, uh, even just a little bit of money to do this uh, so that it, it's worth my time to a degree uh, overall, and then we, I can just continue to do a good job, to continue to splice highlights into the videos and just try to improve the production as time goes on. Uh, in order to do that, we're going to have to move into some kind of pay-to-play um, or pay-to-watch, I guess in this case, um, format. But I promise it will be reasonable. And what we'll probably do too is we'll probably have the $24 a year for just the base one and you just get the subscription. I believe what we'll do is a $48 package that will include a t-shirt and your subscription. It'll be a t-shirt that you can only get by buying the subscription, limited edition t-shirt, and we'll do a different one each year. And then for, I believe it was 84 dollars or 86 dollars i forget what it was in the 80s we'll end up doing a the subscription for a year uh, that that limited edition t-shirt and a limited edition pair of shorts something you know like cool like these like the die sublimated maryland flag shorts so that's the idea with the future we're going to always continue to put out at least two shows a week on youtube for free both of them will probably end up being in the area of 30 minutes long And then we'll also put up another two or three shows a week on the laxfactor.com website, uh, either behind a paywall, a cheap paywall, or maybe even free, depending on how it works. But uh, I'm I'm curious to get your guys' feedback on that. Would you be willing to ditch the friendly confines of YouTube to visit our website to watch a video, either for free or uh, paid as part of a subscription if it was the deeper stuff? So I'm curious what you guys think about that. I'm curious. What else do you want to see us cover? Uh, Topics, Q and A's. Are there there questions that you would like to ask 
uh, with my opinion on various things that you'd like to see me answer on the fly. Uh, we'll do that too. Um, I don't know what we're going to call it. We should call it something cool. So for the most part, though, I'm here because you guys are watching. So I want to make sure that I'm talking about the shit that you guys are interested in. So in the comments down below, as the kids like to say, let me know. Uh, would you be willing to buy a $24 per year subscription to get three, you know, in essence, 160 minutes of content per week? You know, so you pay 24 a year, you get a hundred and not 160. Yeah, 130, hour and a half. Would you be willing to pay $24 a year for an hour and a half of me rambling about lacrosse every week? Plus, you'll get your free stuff too, another hour worth of content free. The idea being we're going to do five 30-minute shows per week, two of them for free, two of them as part of the subscription service. Would, is, does that sound like something y'all would be willing to do? And then beyond that, what else would you like to see? Q&As, I think, are something that we have to start getting into more. You just have to start asking more questions openly in the comments. Um, what other topics? I know a lot of people are happy to now see me get back into talking at least about the PLL. I just haven't had time or bandwidth to devote to the MLL yet. Um, uh, we've, we've trying to cover a little bit more youth club lacrosse. I think I want to do a, more segments on telling parents to fuck off with their asshole attitudes and their harassment of officials, their bad mouthing of coaches. They're trying to coach other people's kids. I think that we're going to start doing maybe some kind of segment devoted to parents not being assholes. I think that's going to be key. I think that's something that the lacrosse community needs to jump behind overall legitimately. So that's it. That's today's show. I'm at 30, 30 minutes and 30 seconds of rambling to y'all, so I think that's probably good. Uh, I will be back next week. We'll probably put out another two shows on YouTube for free next week again, and then we're going to start rolling out the subscription service. We're going to start rolling out the other things that we're doing. Uh, we're going to improve upon the format. I'm actually going to try to get somebody to more often a second person to come in and sit in my second chair or first chair we'll call over here so that, you know, we'll do the show the same way, but we'll have at least someone else to chime in as I'm rambling here and there. So we'll, we'll try to pull that off here in the coming weeks. And uh, that is pretty much it. Thank you for watching. Enjoy. And I will see you guys next week.